Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Steve Green here. This week's edition of Education Live Thursday. And uh, we have another excellent program, I believe. Really excellent guest. Sarah Lorraine will be with us in a few minutes. Let me just take care of some quick housekeeping things to bring this in. And uh, we will get right into it. So number one is... Uh, like all weeks, the Education Live Thursday is sponsored by the Success Community. Success Community is your one-stop place, parents, kids, to maximize your education, get your questions answered, and all things you're going to need to support your academics. Very, very simple. And watch big event happening there in November. Little, uh, little, little uh, teaser there. Uh, coming up, November 5th, my guest is Katrine Van Riet. And if it sounds like it, yes, she is from Holland. It's a Dutch name. Very, very interesting story. Really interesting angle on education. I think you're going to enjoy. And uh, she's coming at us live. It is 3 a.m. in Holland. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yes. Uh, really give her some support. The 12th, Ken Myers, leadership. Leadership. How do you develop leadership within academics? Things like that. 19th, if you're, if you're worried about paying for college. If you're concerned about the cost of college, especially if you got a younger child and you're worried about what it's going to cost in 12 years, I've got a great guest. We're going to talk about financials, how to save money on college, maybe even get a lot of scholarships, things like this. So we are here every week, Thursday at 8, and uh, it's been going really well. I appreciate all the support everybody's been giving us. Uh, the feedback, if you have comments, questions, whatever, put them in the chat. Should be able to see them, and uh, we, myself, uh, and our guest Sarah will address them as the time comes. So, without any further ado, let me introduce our guest. Sarah, welcome. Hi, Steve. How are you? I am great. I am psyched. I am motivated. I'm ready for a, a compelling, interesting discussion that I think is, um, is relevant to many people right now. And many parents, I get asked about this a lot. I know you have to, and what you do. Um, but Sarah is a certified school psychologist. And um, she has been doing this since 2004, working as an evaluator, a consultant, an advocate for students and their families in the public, the private, and charter schools. Been in a private practice since 2011, so just about 10 years, right? Have you uh, seen a year like this last one since uh, 2011 oh or 2004? Absolutely not. So, you know, I think the elephant in the room whenever you talk education uh, is is COVID, right? And how it's affected things. So uh, why, let me ask you this first. Um, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself to the, to the audience? Tell them, you know, what you do basically, uh, how you do it, why you do it, you know, briefly. And then I, I want to get into how the virtual learning and the COVID-induced education is really affecting what's going on now. So who is Sarah Lorraine? What do you do? I am a school psychologist. I worked um, in the public school system for about 15 years. 
um, full-time before I started um, working more part-time in schools um, and um, working in private practice, doing school psychology work. And over the years, I started out as a school psychologist. And in the beginning, I was sort of like, is this the right career for me? And over the years, <laughs> I really feel lucky that I found a job that really matches what I can do. I love working with kids um, in small settings. I love there's sort of like a detective work in the job of a school psychologist where we're trying to figure out where, mm -hmm. what is the obstacle we can, um, most people when they um, look for a school psychologist, they know there is an issue and they can point to the issue, um, the struggle in reading and the struggle with attention or you know some sort of process, but why, where's the obstacle, what is causing that um, is really important for coming up with a good IEP or a good education plan um, good interventions, you kind of need to know the why. Um, and so that piece of it, I really, really like and passing on some of what I know to parents to empower them to be able to advocate for their child, know what their child needs in terms of learning, and be able to bring that into the home as well. Um, and also for students, um, students often internalize their own issues with learning um, and at school as their fault. Um, and most of the time kids seem who have learning disabilities and other disabilities seem a lot more capable than their output. Um, and so what we tend to do is sort of blame the child inadvertently and they really internalize that. So trying to educate the student in terms of how their brain works and how it's different from other kids and just sort of letting them off the hook a little bit. Um, those are the things that I really enjoy doing the most and it's, um, a lot of consultation and advocacy um, after the evaluation process. The evaluation process is kind of like the starting point and the nuts and bolts of it is really getting to learn about the student and their needs, what their learning process is, what their unique sort of um, brain process um, is around learning. And then the rest of it is sort of like that now what do we do and advocating and supporting families through that process um, is the other sort of uh, half or more of of what I do. And I really um, feel very lucky that I've, I found a, a, a job at a field that I really, really enjoy. Well, it, it, it I, I believe, and I, I can tell you, it's very rewarding. And I know you know this, you know, working with people, feeling like you're helping them, seeing them make progress. Yeah. So this year has been uh, a big adaptation for everyone, parents, children, students, adults, teachers, educators, school psychologists, tutors, principals, everybody. Uh, let, let's zero in on this. How has, in your experience, virtual learning affected how you might be able to do an assessment? And I think the second part of that question might be, <clears throat> how has it affected the ability to deliver accommodations? Because that's every parent's big concern, right? <clears throat> it's hard enough getting the uh, evaluation, but then if you don't get what you're entitled to. So what's your take on that? What's your op opinion here? So depending on where you live, um, sort of different states have decided to handle COVID a little bit differently, sort of putting a pause on evaluations, in-person evaluations for um, students who are initially getting evaluated for special education services or getting re-evaluated. Um, later on, students are always re-evaluated every three years. And sometimes that includes in-person testing to kind of update where things are at. Um, and that assessment has been really tricky because of the safety precautions and schools are closed. Um, so where does the testing take place? Is it safe? What do we do? How? Um, and it's sort of just mitigating that 
um, safety versus health and safety versus um, education needs, like which one is more important. And different states have handled it differently. Um, and different psychologists, different districts have handled it differently. Um, the thing that I think is most important is that is to start with what is the most important thing. So you need to think about um, health and safety um, versus do you need to know the information about your student right now? Um, and sometimes the answer is yes, I do. I need to know this right now. Um, I was waiting for a while. We've done a lot of interventions. This isn't working. I need this assessment. I'm not going to wait any longer. That's the most important thing um, in above health and safety, or not necessarily above, but that the, the, the risk of exposures or whatever is there. Um, and the other piece of it is, um, and sometimes you might make the opposite decision, right? No, it's not dire. I would much rather have an in-person assessment when um, in-person is doesn't come with the same kinds of risks. The other thing is that right now, and something that I do whenever I do testing right now, is the standardization rules, right? There's certain ways you're supposed to give cognitive and academic assessments in terms of standardized procedures. It should just be one-on-one -on -one setting. Um, it should be at a time and a place where the student is going to is able to do their best. And one of the things that's really important to consider is your students, your child's mental health right now. Um, and one of the things that I do um, with any testing I do right now is to screen for that. How are them coming to me in an and we're wearing masks and there's plexiglass sometimes and depending on the setting and, and we're further distance apart. And the idea that a child, especially a young child going into a new place with a new person is a very unfamiliar experience. This is not something that they've routinely done in the last seven plus months. So typically parents are not supposed to be in the assessment room. And I have included parents in the assessment room because I think that mm -hmm. mimics standard conditions more um, than, uh, than not having them in the room because of the anxiety, because of the discomfort, because of the lack of familiarity when I'm um, when students are used to having professionals in the building, they're in a school building and just another person, you know, they're aware of that another person is going to come and take them out of their classroom to do something, or they're going with mom and dad to this session um, at an office and, you know, guardians, parents are going to be in the waiting room while um, they're in the room with me. Like there's a sense of familiarity and safety. This is something that we do. But since we have not been doing that for the last seven months, it adds another layer of stress where students may be more worried and less comfortable. So having parents in the room is something that, that if you're going to get an assessment, it's something to ask if, if the psychologist is comfortable with that and sort of talking through that. Um, mm. And I always uh, then check with the student, like, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about this um, session? Those sorts of things. Um, I was doing an evaluation, uh, one of my areas of specialties with students who are deaf and hard of hearing. And one of the things that so we have masks that have a clear um, shield, um, a clear, um, I can't think of, you can see through it right around your mouth. Transparent, so, yes. Transparent, thank you. Okay, I don't so, know they, so they can lip read. Yes, yeah, so that right. they can lip read. And uh, I was evaluating a student, I can't remember, but it was fogging up and I had to take it off and fix it. And I said something, you know, something that I incorporated in the experience is like, I bet I look different to you now, right? Like our, mm -hmm. our minds fill in what our faces look like when you can't see them. And I bet when I take this off, I look very different. And these are things that like are, I mean, it's completely new. This is brand, this has never happened mm -hmm. before. 
and sort of paying attention to how kids are going to navigate these experiences and making sure we're getting the best um, and an accurate picture of who they are. Um, hmm. When it comes to special education sort of after that, it's important to know that accommodations and special education, lots of people just feel like, well, that's out the window, like schools at home, what can they do? Um, and that's just not the case. Um, special education is an entitled, um, is it, you're entitled to it for students with disabilities. They're entitled to special education services, that there is an obstacle that the student has in order to access what's called the LRE, the least restrictive environment, and they need to figure out what accommodations they need in order to access that. Well, right now, the LRE is whatever version of school your school is doing. Um, and so if they need accommodations at home um, that are completely different and they would not need at school, they should be, the IEP should be updated to include those. There are students who might need one-on-one -on -one support in the home that would not need one-on-one -on -one support in the school building. Um, and you have to make those adjustments where if, you know, on hybrid day, on in-person days, it's this, at home days, it's this. The expectations are different um, in terms of uh, what it is that a student needs in order to access that curriculum. And thinking through all of those things, anything you need to do to adapt um, the baseline of what the what the school provides, right? The, a laptop and, or Chromebook or whatever they have and whatever materials they have. Well, what have you needed to go out and buy? What do you wish you had because your child really needs that? Um, and write those things down. Those are things that can be, can, they're called SDIs, um, specially designed instruction um, that, get added to the IEP and you just indicate in the IEP that in this setting it's needed and in this setting it's not needed. And those are, we we have to be creative and we have to make sure that um, we are meeting children's needs. And in the same way that when we talk about assessment, we wanna start with, um, is this really important right now? Um, am I gonna get the best for my child? Am I gonna get a good snapshot of what they're doing, um, what they're capable of right now with their social and emotional well-being at the moment? And how can I adjust the, testing conditions to make sure that they're comfortable. Um, we wanna think about the long term for our kids too when it comes to um, learning in special education. I feel like the one thing that I want more than anything uh, for my, I have a seven year old that's doing school online and he doesn't have special needs um, and doesn't need accommodations, but um, I still worry about what he needs and how it's different from online versus at school and how can I support that? And the thing that I want more than anything, more than my seven-year-old to improve his reading skills, the more more than anything is for him to not lose his love of learning. Um, that is so important to me um, that I don't want online learning and hey, watching his four-year-old brother get to play with mommy instead of being on the screen or whatever it is that he, you know, like you have to do this before you get to do this other thing because the distractions of what else you could be doing are just an arm's reach away, if not like a click away, right? Like mm -hmm. the video game or the other thing. Where at school, it's not usually that present. Um, and so what you're not able to do because you have to do this thing um, is a little bit more in kids' uh, sort of present so, awareness. So let me ask you a question here. So if I'm a parent and I have a child who I think maybe needs some sort of accommodation, or I want to get them evaluated. Is your recommend? And I'm, I imagine it's case by case. Yeah. But is your recommendation maybe 
to just wait until this is all settled down and we're back to more of a standard, normalized situation? Or is it still worth doing something now, even knowing that it may not uh, necessarily be in force fully because you've got you know almost like two different situations? A lot of schools are going back halftime or quarter time or whatever in a few weeks. So it, 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 timing wise, what would you tell a parent? I would say that if your child already has um, special education services, you already have an IEP, do not wait. Um, you don't necessarily need to do a new evaluation that that um, may not be necessary, but okay. get those whatever accommodations you need sit down with your IEP team, call a meeting and say that I want um, some additional supports. I want, I want an individualized education plan. Um, there are some things that my child needs in order to access um, and transition between these different environments. And for some kids, transitioning between the environments isn't a good idea. Um, and so maybe full-time virtual needs to be an, an option that's considered or um, or vice versa. I mean, there's needs to be some sort of um, flexibility in the approach um, for- would, would this matter at all, depending on a child's age? Like, would you give that different advice to say for elementary versus middle versus high school? No. Um, when it comes to getting accommodations in the IEP, I just wouldn't wait. Okay. Um, I would, you know, it may not be a, a whole overhaul of the IEP. You might not want to start sort of go down a, a road where you're going to get, it's going to take a couple months to get services um, set up. And then by the time that happens, everything is different. But some right. of those um, accommodations, um, extra time, less time on screen, more individualized support, some extra materials at home, um, mm -hmm. extra one-on-one -on -one time with the teacher, um, reinforcing concepts or things like that. Don't wait on those things. Um, right. okay. when it comes to an initial evaluation or getting an evaluation, because you need to clarify, um, the disability category or some other things, I would say the first thing you want to ask is, um, is my child losing their love of learning? Is this affecting them? Um, and that will help you sort of guide whether the, the importance of moving forward with, I have questions, I don't know what they need, and now they hate school, or they're starting to hate school and I don't want that to happen, or they're starting to hate reading and I can't help them. Um, I don't know where the problem is. Don't wait on that. If they're having a great time and you know that they're, you know, they're doing okay and they're keeping pace, but you now that you're watching them do school, you're like, hmm, I think I'm a little concerned yeah, it, about this. It, Those are times where they're mm -hmm. not losing their love of learning. They're still keeping some pace with education. You're not overly concerned. It's not keeping you up at night. I would say you might want to wait um, for that initial evaluation. Um, but that, I, yeah, I think that guiding principle first. It, like, so, so it's a little bit of a common sense piece, but but it's kind of it's always kid centered. It's always child centered. Always, yeah. yeah, for sure. I've had a lot of conversations with parents uh, in the last, let's say, eight weeks since school began, um, which is I've been very interesting because normally a child doesn't really, uh, or a parent, sorry, a parent doesn't usually see a child's educational process. Right? They go to work, or they stay home, or they do whatever they do. Kid goes off to school. Kid comes home. How was your day? What'd you learn? You know, whatever. Um, now parents are actually experiencing, in a, in kind of a, a, a almost like a once in a lifetime sense, um, this sort of thing, right? Where they're actually seeing the kids attempting at least to learn or working on things, it, albeit in in a in a way that's atypical. 
Um, and I've had a lot of pretty enlightening conversations with parents. I didn't think it was this or, oh, boy, yeah. this teacher's boring or this teacher's really good. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it just it is what it is. Um, one of the concerns I've heard parents say is actually I've heard it in both directions. Normally in school, my kid is very attentive because they can lock in in the live setting. Mm-hmm. But at home, they they just can't sit in front of the computer for four and a half, six hours, whatever yeah. it is. I've also heard people say just the opposite. Yep. In school, they get very distracted because their friends are there. And, you know, there's all sorts of uh, stimulation that, that gets in their way. And I'm not necessarily talking to anybody with an attention issue. Just, it just is what it is. Because right. school is a very social experience right. for kids. But at home, because they're isolated, they don't really have anything else to distract them. Right except just the fact that they're sitting still for so long. So it's yeah, interesting how the social too, and they're distracted yes. by their kids. What they're distracted now by is looking at the screen at all the people right. that are on screen. And so sometimes it can, you know, right. that so it's interesting that it, it's sort of broken into almost two completely opposite directions in a weird way. Hey, Steve Green here. My guest, Sarah Lorraine, education live Thursday. This is the October 29th, 2020 edition Sarah, school psychologist extraordinaire, um, shedding light on, on a lot of these topics that are really kind of up in the air. Let me ask you this. Um, is, do you think, and I, and I ask everybody who's been on in the last eight weeks this, obviously things are somewhat different, if not very different right now, right? Do you think there's anything that's going to stick that we've learned, I don't mean you and I, but collectively has been brought out that may not have been a really acceptable practice or a standard practice mm-hmm. even a year ago, that now that we've experienced it, like virtual tutoring, virtual learning, normally school would never do that full time, right? Now they're talking about not even having snow days. And if it snows, we stay home and go virtual, right? So I'm seeing things that in the, I'm going to say they're taboo, but they just weren't standard operating practice. They're think now going to be much more acceptable. Yeah. Do, do you see anything like that in your opinion or maybe officially in, I don't, the, in the evaluation, assessment, psych side of things? I don't see um, – I'm not sure what will sort of stick, um, but there are a lot of um, positives uh, uh-huh. things that we've learned how to do and that we've sort of um, minimized the, the uh, I don't know, the negativity around it or the stigma around like – um, some of virtual things as being sort of second rate um, and things that actually are quite, um, it's quite helpful. Um, thinking about some of the things in terms of assessment and psychological services, um, the number of people, the number of students I can talk to in a given day, um, if I can do it virtually, versus well. having to go to all different schools or whatever, um, mm-hmm. I hope that sticks. Um, and I, um, I'm hearing people talk about that, just like the snow days. Um, there are interviews. I do parent interviews with every single student, teacher interviews. Um, I can do way more of them at a much more flexible schedule when I'm sitting in a virtual room and there's appointments and people sort of click in for them. So a good portion of the evaluation, which is often a hassle where parents have to leave work to go meet with the school psychologist and set up a meeting at the school, those sorts of things. Um, you know, the idea of accommodating a, a parent um, virtually was not a thing or, or a psychologist that's at a different, I'm not, I'm not even sure it was legal. I it might not have complied with some of the guidelines. I'm Maybe. not. Yeah. I mean, 
when it comes to in-person assessments, there are certainly some right. compromises. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Meetings, you know, I think we weren't necessarily, I'm just not sure that it ever dawned. I, rem I remember I was involved in an IEP meeting where one of the parents couldn't make it. And it was in a divorce circumstance where the parents were divorced and and the one of the parents had to call in. You know, they had like the, they still even have those phones in the middle of the tables that are big speaker phones. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like sort of shaped like triangles, yeah. whatever. Um, the parent called in on that. And because they were unable at the end of the meeting to sign the attendance um, docket, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. There's a better name for it than I'm describing. Um, hit, hit, that person, I want to hear he or she, that person's input was not on the record. But oh. you, know, you know how these things are. I mean, IP yeah. meetings are, are like like a quasi-legal uh, yes. uh, uh, thing, you know, yes. and they go into the child's record and, and you know, th there's people held accountable. So uh, that was kind of interesting. The biggest thing I'm seeing, and I don't know if, if you're, if you do this or not, but one of the advantages of, of working a lot of online and virtual tutoring is people can record the lessons. Mm -hmm. I've never had a student in face-to-face -face or in, brick in my school um, actually record what we do, but now it's so easy. Um, right. And they don't have to record the whole thing. They may record five minutes or 10 minutes, one or two questions. We're doing screenshots of things. So yeah. much, it's much, much easier to put the information back and forth now that way. And then of course you've got just the almost, um, you know, it's like a school with no walls anymore. You know, I'm tutoring kids and I'm not sure if you can do this with licensing wise, but right now I'm in 11 States and a couple of different right. countries. So, it really doesn't matter anymore that way. I'm not sure how much that's going to maintain over time, three, five years out, but it, it is in the short run. Um, it, is there anything, uh, let's kind of flip it. Is there something these things emerge? You can't wait for it to go away. <laughs> um, you know, any sort of trend. I mean, you, you and I, I think shared us that we like working with people. I like being in a room. I think you like being able to sense the body language, like being able to sense sort of the emotional, yeah. feeling you get working with people um that i i i i'd, li I'd like to get back to and not have it limited to the you know the vision on the screen but is there anything like that on your side in your in your opinion i think that it's really difficult i mean i i just don't do full virtual assessments for the most part unless it's really really required for a, for a student to not be to come in um because regardless you just don't get the same sense of a person. Mm -hmm. um, I can't see as much like part of, a lot of what I do as an evaluator is watch their process. Um, how do they get to the answer? How, you know, do they count on their fingers? Are they, you know, I, you can see that in their body language. Right. Um, it, you miss some of that. And if, you know, the screen freezes up or something happens, like you can miss really important things. Um, and I think rapport building is, is, it's just not as quick in the, in the same way of, um, uh, building trust and alliances with students um, and children. And well, so which, I really, which is important. Yeah. And dynamic assessment is one of the things teachers do it all the time. Um, it's a very difficult thing to do in virtually, which is where you give the student a task that you're mm -hmm. not sure if they can do. We say, Hey, do this. And you total, totally hands off, watch them do it. Um, and if they can do it great, they know how to do it. You move on. If they can't, then you model it for them. You say, oh, I'm gonna, I'll do it. And then you do it together. And you say, now, okay, now, I like, how do, what would we do first? And like, okay, you do this part, I do that part. And then you give it to them again. And you say, all right, now you try it, you do it all by yourself. Um, and it's, 
you know, it's based in um, Vygotsky's learning theory, like the zone of proximal development. Like it's really sort of petty in that way, but it's a very easy, simple thing to do that you just can't replicate that in an online really require one-on-one, -on -one, um, which is impossible to do. Like when you, you can do that in a classroom where you pull a kid out and you do the dynamic assessment with that person while all the, the other students are doing centers or something like that. It, it's an impossible thing to do online unless you have another teacher who's able to take over for all the other students. Um, and I, do, I think it's just really, really challenging. And I think that's something that we're missing in terms of getting a picture of where the student is and where that perfect spot is for, you know, where they can access the learning. What do they already know? What's way too difficult for them? What can they do with help? That's where we're teaching students is what they can do with help. Um, that's the right place to be teaching them. And it's a lot harder to get that information online. Sarah Lorraine, school psychologist, I want to thank you for coming on Education Live Thursday. Why don't you share with uh, everyone how they could reach you if they want to start a conversation or maybe if they need some sort of advice I have, sure. well, actually I don't, let me put it there. So there's your email. Do you want right to add now. anything? Do you have a website or anything you want to add? No, it's or? Just the end part of that, sarahlorraine.net is my is. Um, website and That's my phone number is there too. And my email is sarahlorraine at, or sarah at sarahlorraine.net is my email. Do you have like two first names? I do. <laughs> yes. And no middle name. So there, if, oh, really? No middle name. I was going to say, what's your middle name? <laughs> you don't have one. <laughs> okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, what, uh, you have anything else you want to share? Like any, just, I don't know, personal interest. I mean, I, um, I, I, I can tell you in, in my life, and I'm going to guess in yours, what we do is very, um, you invest so much of yourself in it, right? You know, you don't get a whole lot of free time. Even when you do, you're always bringing stuff, mental, you know, ways we could have done things, but you know, is there something you like to do or you get more, maybe, maybe you have more time to do now since we're all kind of stuck at home. Oh, I wish I had more time. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm uh, yeah, this is theoretical, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I actually really like knitting. Um, oh. Yeah. I'm not great at it, but I, but I, I, mean, I like needles and like okay. make hats and things like that. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. next, listen, when you come back, maybe you, you'll be wearing a sweater that, or yeah. uh scarf. Ram. Yeah. Scarf. There you go. I, I don't, I, this is probably going to sound, uh, it's probably not going to come out right, but I always think of knitting, I think of my grandmother, like I think, and she yeah. used to sit around with all her old lady friends and they're knitting, but really the knitting was sort of just an excuse to gossip, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it's not, it's not quite a lost art, I guess, but I don't, I don't know that it's, uh, as mainstream as it once was. And, yeah, and, yeah, there you go. I think the, um, the, the hipster generation has popularized it. It's a, have you ever heard of knit, knit what is it? A knitting bomb? No, it's what you, people do that are really expert knitters is they go out and they like um, knit something around a tree. And really? it's like, a, it's like a, it's a, it's like a happy sort of graffiti, temporary hmm. graffiti. Except it's um, wool or whatever you knit. knit wow. Like really cool designs or stuff like that. Um, sometimes people do it on per like someone commissions it or they want that to happen. But a lot of times uh, I think it started with people just, um, I forget what it's knitting, knit bombing. That's, that just sounds wrong, but it, I know it's something like that. Um, yeah. So I think there's a new, a new wave of non uh, elderly folks that are. Uh, Look, we got a, We got a positive comment here. Some great insights. Thank you, Vic. So uh, there we go. Well, listen, uh, I, I hope, um, 
I hope that you feel that even in this environment, you're able to provide the service that I know you're capable of and people are getting the value that they need. And, and I, I would encourage parents out there who are maybe on the fence saying, do I need this for my kid or not? The, the worst thing is have a conversation and, and find out that it's no, right? Yep. And, and you got to start somewhere with that. And that doesn't have to be complicated. Um, you know, and, and you want to talk to a, a qualified professional, uh, who, you know, who knows what's going on there. Um, all right. Well, just, just let me run down a little housekeeping really quickly. My guest next week, all the way from Amsterdam, Amsterdam. This is the furthest anybody's ever come to be on this show. Katarina Van Riet talking about how to teach English in a non-English environment. I think this will be really interesting. 12th of November, Ken Myers, uh, Apex Leadership, Leadership Training. 19th, Jerry Gross, Financial. You want to pay full bill for college? Most people will say no. Listen to Jerry. I think he can help you out. Uh, we're taking off the 26th. You know why? You know what November 26th is? Sarah? Thanksgiving. It is Thanksgiving. I'm taking the week off. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, why not? So, uh, anyway, we are here every Thursday with Education Live. Once again, Sarah Lorraine, thank you very much. Parents, please reach out and uh, we will go there. I'm going to thank you, Ron Shapiro. Thank you, Vic. If you have any other comments, drop them in there because we're going to break this out in about 10 seconds. So let me play my outro music, which for those of you who are very observant might notice it's the same as the intro music. But uh, that's the way it goes here. It's a low-budget show. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have enough to get different songs for the beginning and the end. All right. I will see everybody next time. Have a great week. And uh, stay positive. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.